and welcome everyone to Films with the Women in My Life. My name is Brennan, and joining me tonight is my friend Jess. Hey guys. And tonight we will be reviewing the Netflix film High Flying Bird. Uh, this is a movie that came out a couple months ago in February. Um, uh, Jess, you recommended this movie. Uh, was did, Had you heard of it before, or was it just based off of uh, like a rating? Or No, I haven't heard of it. Um, I found this movie just online searching for just popular things to watch on Netflix. I saw on Rotten Tomatoes they got a 92%, and I did recognize the lead star, um, Andre Holland. So I figured I might as well give it a shot. Yeah, I think it was, uh, I, I mean, uh, I hadn't heard of it either. I think I'd seen it uh, come across once or twice, um, but obviously it came out February. We hadn't had the show going yet, so uh, I think this is definitely a good one to go back to. Uh, I'll give a quick plot summary before we get into our ratings. Uh, so High Flying Bird, in the midst of a pro f- uh, basketball lockout, sports agent Ray Burke, played by the aforementioned Andre Holland, finds himself caught in the face-off between the league and the players. His career is on the line, but Ray is playing for higher stakes. With only 72 hours to pull off a daring plan, he outmaneuvers all the power players as he uncovers a loophole that could change the game forever. The outcome raises questions of who owns the game and who ought to. So uh, that that synopsis makes it sound like it's like a high-octane thriller. Um, Jess, would you describe this movie as like a action thriller? No, this is like your grandma's <laughs> action thriller of like I don't know <laughs> eating a prune sandwich. It was a pr- not a prune sandwich. <laughs> I mean, I, I just ate a sandwich. I guess sandwiches are on my mind, but I don't know. It was definitely not a thriller. Definitely not exciting. It was pretty bland. The blandest basketball could ever get, and there was no basketball shots. I thought there'd be some cool like rivalry, and you'll see the fans screaming and you know the ball dribbling and everything. But there was really none of that. No, like so, so the whole movie is based on an NBA lockout. So the whole thing is it's basketball players and their agents and the owners and all the people associated with the NBA what they're doing when the NBA is not in session, and it's it's kind of depressing to start with. You get a uh, you start with Andre Holland, who's Ray. He's the agent to uh, Eric Scott, uh, an early draft pick. He's played by Melvin Gregg. Um, not in a whole lot. I think he's he's in a TV show called American Vandal. Um, he's in Sharknado Three. Uh, so not a whole lot yet for for this guy that I've heard of. But um, you know, up and comer um, and that. So Andre Holland represents him. Uh, his assistant in the agency is sam played by zazie beats uh people will probably know her from deadpool 2 and uh so that's kind of how we start the story off and then we're introduced to some more characters and some you know antagonists uh as we go along uh, a couple of different levels of antagonists uh but before we go much further in the movie i'll describe the way we rate each movie and then we can go from there uh we rate things here at films with the women in my life on four criteria the plot the characters, the visual and sound, and the overall resonance and feel of a film. Uh, so starting with the plot, Jess, what did you think of the plot of High Flying Bird? Yeah, I wasn't too into it. I thought that based on the description, it looked a lot more exciting than it really was. But I would not call this a page turner. I don't know the equivalent of a page turner to movies, I guess, in the, eye the, the opener. Film turner. The film the... turner. <laughs> I don't know. But whatever the equivalent is, I did not see it as one. Um, I had to definitely have keep myself paying attention. I thought, again, it was going to be more 
action shot and basketball but it really wasn't it was kind of like the back office of what goes on in basketball with a very monotone um setting <laughs> i don't know it it wasn't anything that i would be too crazy about if you could give it a number from like a one to five what do you think uh i think a two and that's wow generous. wow really really not loving the plot so yeah, not uh, too much I'll, uh, I'm on the other end here. I really liked the plot and uh, a lot of the... So when I say plot, I really love the writing and I don't really know where in our four categories where it best fits. I think the plot is probably the best to fit. Um, the writer of this is uh, Terrell Alvin McCraney. Um, he was the story writer for Moonlight, which is a film that uh, that uh, Andre Holland uh, starred in as uh, the adult Kevin. Uh, it's the Academy Award from, from a few years ago. You, Jess, you've seen that, correct? Yep, no, I saw it. I liked the movie. Yeah, and I think, um, and I, we didn't even mention, uh, this is directed by Steven Soderbergh, uh, so I think most people probably know him. He's got a whole slew of popular films. He did the Oceans movie back in the day, um, the the original Oceans, not the, not the remakes. Um He's done uh, all kinds of different stuff. Contagion, Magic Mike, Side Effects, Logan Lucky, uh, Unsane, Traffic, Aaron Brockovich. So he's and got they're a all wide very, range. very different movies. Yeah, he's got a really wide range. Um, but uh, I will get into his directing style in this movie later. But I think the strength is on the writing. Uh, every scene with Ray, uh, our protagonist, the, the agent... I, I'm pretty into what is going on as far as what they're saying. He has a lot of one-on-ones in the movie with his boss, uh, David, who's played by Zachary Quinto. Uh, people know him from Spy, uh, Spock in the new Star Trek movies. Um, he has a one-on-one with um, a union rep for the players, uh, Myra. Uh, he has a one-on-one with one of our antagonists, uh, Amira Umber, who is the mother of Eric's rival, Jamar, uh, Jamar, uh, sorry, Jamaro Umber. Um, they both play on the Knicks, uh, the New York Knicks, but uh, they're like kind of rivals on the team, uh, competing for you know being the star. Um, so, but he, but as I was saying, Ray has a lot of one-on-one scenes, and the writing between the characters, I really enjoyed him, and I really enjoyed just like the dialogue back and forth. Uh, Zazie beat. Like... Oh, sorry. Oh, sorry. No, keep going. Uh, I was gonna say Zazie beats has a lot of good uh, um, one-on-ones too. Um, she has so Zazie Beetz's character Sam has like a a thing going with Eric. They're like kind of together, um, on and off. Um, she but the two of them, all of their scenes, like it's a lot of one on one scenes discussing the lockout and the the fallout, and you know the uh, Ray's job is in trouble, and he's trying to you know basically maneuver this all around so that he can get you know he can stay on top, keep his players happy, keep everyone happy, basically. Um, so that yeah, I give this a four five. I really like the plot. You it's, gave it a four five. I give oh the plot goodness. the plot. I love the whole. It's a very complicated plot that I was able to follow decently well, and the writing especially boosts it to four. It would be with lesser writing, it'd be like a three five. But the writing is really really good, and it's a it's a four five for me. Um, it's my highest category. It's my favorite part of this movie, but I really like the writing and the plot. What I noticed was a little different was it's such a stressful or a high-stake time, and there was no emotion in the movie. No one was, like, screaming or acting like 
the world was ending, that, you know, people are losing their jobs and they have a really tight time limit, but it was all just, you know, casual talking. <laughs> yeah, I guess. I mean, I thought, I, 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 I guess I didn't really think of that. Um, no one's having big emotional speeches. Everything's very calculated. Um, but I, I don't know. Maybe I like that. Maybe I like that no one's, you know, like screaming and pounding their fists and shedding tears. Everyone's yeah, kind of so handling themselves. If someone cried, maybe I would have been a little more engaged, but it was all just kind of like, oh, hey, what's up? Yeah, you know, this is going on. I've been, you know, like just casual back and forth. <laughs> I guess we can get to the, the crying aspect on the feel and resonance if, uh, if it worked there. But um, <laughs> yeah, as far as like the technical aspects of the plot and the writing, I really liked it. It sounds like you were, you were pretty bored by it. Um, we don't have to go through this movie beat by beat because for the most part, it's just Ray kind of running around trying to get all these pieces in place so that basically it, you don't really know his motive until the end. His motive was just to get you know the lockout to end in 72 hours. That was his plan the whole time. There's kind of a plot going where he's trying to get the players to like, it's kind of, kind of be like professional boxing where they're like independent people and they don't answer to a team. They make the money themselves. He's talking about making deals with streamers like Netflix and Hulu to try to um, have like these special one-on-ones and three-on-three games that are outside of the NBA uh, with all the players though, so that the players can, you know, make a good majority of the money and, you know, circumvent the channels of the NBA. Um, that's kind of like the plot points that come up later. But, um, well, I think this this is really a performance by Andre Holland. Um, and let's talk about the characters some. Jess, what did you think about the uh, characters in this? What did you, what would you rate that? I think the acting was good, but I don't necessarily have a deep compassion for any of the characters. So I'd probably give it a three. I like Andre Holland. I've seen him in a um, Hulu original and he was really good. Um, I also liked Sam. She was a good character as well. Um I feel like she, I liked how independent she was. I mean, at the very end, she said she wanted to do her own thing, which I feel like we all kind of saw coming. But she kind of did her own thing while being um, Andre's assistant the whole time anyway. Yeah, she was definitely independent this whole time. She doesn't um, ever feel like a cog in a machine, even though she technically is. Like, she seemed like... A- uh, her she seemed like a like a player on the board and not just a pawn so that like yeah her, her character and ray i think were definitely the standouts what did you think of uh some of our other supporting like eric's our main basketball player did you think of him no i thought they did a fine job again nothing really stood out to me but um i mean the acting was fine and i really liked how um Back and forth in the movie, it goes to the actual players and their take, and then it goes back to the movie. I felt that really brought it together as well. Yeah, and uh, oh, another thing we uh, well, I guess we'll talk about that in a little bit, but yeah, I, I, I as far as the characters go, I give them a three five. Um, so pretty close to you there on that one. Um, Andre Holland as Ray is outstanding. Uh, I think you were talking about the Hulu series Castle Rock, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. and uh, he's also on American Horror Story, one of the seasons there. Um, he's on the show The Nick. Um, we already said he was in Moonlight, but uh, he's he's been around the past couple years. Um, and he is really, really, really good in this. I, I follow him the whole way. If it were not him performing it, I think all of my scores across the board would be lower. But he uh, he really carries this from being middling to, to good for me. Um, and yeah, Sam as or Zazie Beat's character Sam is really good. Um, I liked 
uh, Melvin Gregg as Eric Scott. I didn't know him from anything, but I thought he played... I don't know what he's like in real life, but I thought he played his character really <laughs> well. Uh, did you notice um, one of the kids... So, uh, we haven't mentioned... they they uh, Ray knows this older guy, Spencer, um, and he runs like... A, it's kind of like an inner-city peewee basketball league, something like that. And the the player... Or the the NFL, or NFL NBA players <laughs> go there every year to give like a you know a pep talk or whatever. And uh, one of the kids there, is, uh, his credited as Darius, is Caleb McLaughlin. Uh, he's uh, he's uh, the one kid from Stranger Things. He's oh, um, really? yeah. Um, oh, what's his name in Stranger Things? Um, I can't remember his name. Yeah, no, I know what you're talking about. I I can't think of it either. But actually, not going back to um, what you said about Spence, I did like his character a lot. He was really grounded, and you know that you could probably tell he's been through a lot, and he does a lot for the kids. And I don't know, he's just an admirable character. I liked his little thing where if anyone, for some reason, casually brought up anything slavery, slavery related, <laughs> he like stopped everything and he made them recite this little like line. And I can't remember the exact words, but it was something to the effect of, um, I love the Lord and the Lord loves all his black children. It was something along. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> I can't remember the exact line, paraphrasing a little bit, but it's 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 basically to that effect. And I like later on, um, Myra, who is the union rep, they're all meeting in there, and she's the only one who doesn't know, like, it's, it's her and Ray and Spence and uh, Sam and Eric, all of our principal uh, protagonists. And uh, she she says something about the players being like Jim Crow days, and and uh, everyone's like, ooh, everyone goes quiet, and then Spence <laughs> is just so pissed, like he's like furious. You can see like the fury in his eyes, and Mario just doesn't because like because the all of his characters are black, and like she probably thinks like, oh, it's just like you know something. It's just like an offhand remark. Um, but Spence is so pissed. He's like, you cannot say you, he, he's like, uh, you can't say that in my court. And she's like, we're, we're in my office. He's like, if I'm in the room, it's my court. <laughs> I did like that line too. And then Andre was kind of like, you guys take him seriously. You have to say it. And then she was just basically like, get the hell out of my office. That's what I love is she looked at everyone in the room and like, Sam's like, you should probably just say it. And Eric's like, Dude, you better say it. Like that. I love how, I love how serious Spence takes it and how everyone's like legitimately like, just, you, you might want to like listen to him. Um, I think it's, yeah, I think it was a really good, uh, like, Slightly dark comedic moment, um, but uh, any any interest in our antagonists? We've got uh, Zachary Quinto, as I said earlier, as Andre's boss. Um, Kyle McLaughlin as David Sitton. Um, he's like the he's like the liaison for like the owners, so he's like a big wig basically who is with the owners of the teams. Um, and then the Umber family, uh, Amira and Jamaro. Uh, Jamaro's again the rival, and Amira's the very god strict christian loving mother who <laughs> seems i don't know she's kind of scary to me yeah what do we think of like our she antagonists is scary. yeah so i do like the last 10 minutes where andre i'm, I'm sorry yeah i'm sorry andre um did a 360 on his boss and pretty much said oh this was all my plan all along and his boss in the first scene pretty much tried to fire him so i thought that was a big um <laughs> yeah, she, <laughs> yeah he, just a really he, big plot twist on him 
Yeah, his boss is like just like uptight suit who's just like we need to cut costs and all like the you know all the basic trite shit, and um and he doesn't listen to Ray who's got this huge plan and then Ray at the end explains his whole thing that he laid out and he's just kind of sitting there dumbstruck like uh basically like, like he doesn't even know what to say like he's got and nothing. And then he was like, like um. So should I tell your boss, or do you want me to? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like he's clearly like, but like he kind of offered his boss in the beginning. He was like, just let me do it, and the boss wasn't supporting him at all. So he's like, all right, I'll have to do it without you, and he and he does pretty easily. Um, I wouldn't say easily, but he didn't need his boss at all. That he was pretty useless. Um, so yeah, characters. Um, you know, some some okay performances, but I think yeah, definitely the stars are Andre Holland and Zazie Beetz as Ray and Sam. Um, what did we think of the visual and sound of this movie? Okay, so the visual and sound. You can tell the visual. I don't know. I don't think it... So I I get what the director tried to do and have a lot of artistic angles, but I feel like sometimes he just overdid it. Like, I felt like I was looking up the character's nose more than I should have. So I'm going <laughs> to probably give it a 2-5. I don't know. I wasn't super impressed. But yeah, a lot of the camera angles were very, very different. Um, just more abstract and not straightforward. Um, sometimes it seems like you were just a plant in the office instead of really just looking at anyone. You were just kind of sat the camera there and let it um, do its thing. Or again, yeah, a lot of time I feel like I was looking at people's noses. <laughs> it's a it's a way to put it. Um, I'm with you on the on the. I, I didn't love the visual and sound of this. I also gave it a two five. Uh, this is like a lower point in the movie, and it's weird to say it about Soderbergh, who's clearly made a lot of really good movies, um, but his directing in this. Kind of, kind of. I think it's the reason it's kind of boring at parts because I think the script is so well done and I think all the acting is competent to good, but the the direction is, I don't know. It's it feels sterile, like a lot of over the shoulder point A point B shots. Like here's person talking, here's other person talking, and it's a lot of that back and forth. I think there's ways to make it a little more interesting. Um, there it's there's some good scenes sprinkled in there. I think the one on one that uh. Jamaro and Eric are about to have like the way that's kind of shots interesting a little bit. Um, the ending five minutes or so is kind of cool. I like um, I like Ray and uh, Kyle McLaughlin's character David when they're in like the steam room. Um, I was about to say that the steam room there was like the quality of that was so bad. <laughs> I mean, it was meant to be that way, but oh, you didn't like that? See, that was one of my favorite scenes. I liked that scene. <laughs> I mean, I didn't think too much of it. I felt like it was just like the rest of the movie, which was just blah. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I guess the the stuff with Kyle McLaughlin towards the end where he's kind of, he start the reason, so Kyle McLaughlin, uh, whose character is David, he's on behalf of the owner. So they're the ones who like don't want to pay the players more, basically, is the bottom line. And um, he you see him struggling in the last, they do it over like a two-day span, but they tell it backwards. Um, about how like he's getting squeezed by his other owners and by Ray because they had the the one on one uh, video that they shot with Jamero and uh, Eric go viral, and so everyone's you know they're they're panicking because all these streamers want to do deals with them and they're already selling tickets to these one on one events, so they're starting to feel pressure and I I like the portrayal of that at the end, but um I mean yeah that last. I guess third is pretty good, but the first hour is really tough to look at. It's just kind of boring um, to look at. 
Uh, so yeah, visual and sound definitely a weaker point in the movie. Um, but and I, I guess I can't even remember any significant sound or music that there was that really stuck out. Or there was even at very all. little music. Yeah, there was a little bit at the beginning and a little bit at the end, but it was it was pretty nothing. I mean, that's a choice you can do that, but I feel like a score would have helped here. Yeah, I agree. Uh, and I guess that brings us, you know, to the, we've already discussed the end a little bit. Uh, we don't discuss that Eric fires Ray hastily, not knowing that Ray planned this whole thing out. He thinks that he was just (laughs) using him. I don't really understand that. I understand his character motivation a little bit, but the fact that he couldn't just wait five seconds and have (laughs) Ray be like, Oh, I planned the whole thing out. The strike and the thing's going to end and you're going to have your job. Like, (laughs) I mean, you can tell from the beginning that Eric, it's definitely really irrational and, just goes with the first thing that he sees. No, yeah, we definitely see at the beginning. He takes out a loan he doesn't need because a guy sweet talked him, and Andres is <laughs> exactly. going. I'm like, dude, look, don't do that. Like, why are you doing that? Like, you're not rich yet. You're a rookie on a deal, and now we're in a lockout, and now you can't pay your your loans. Like, look what happens. Like, the kid doesn't think. Uh, I mean, he's a, he's a kid, so obviously, like, he's like you know, 21 or whatever. So he's not gonna be all you know, money smart, I guess. But um, yeah, and. So, oh, I guess, yeah, so he, he fires him. Um, we see Ray do the turnaround in his boss. The last scene of the movie, I don't, I don't, I don't quite understand. Uh, the, so, Zazie Beats and Eric are in uh, their, ho- the, the apartment that Eric owns. And she opens up this package and reads this book about, like, the rise of oh. the of the black. Uh, yeah sports or the rise of the black athlete yeah and she gets way into this book too like she's oh yeah this is the only time there's music is she's like turning the pages it's like (laughs) like that's the only time there's music is when she's reading this book at the very end and then it cuts to her looking at eric and be like you gotta read this book and then that's it that's the end it just ends right there and i'm kind of like do you recognize who the author of the book was was anyone significant i didn't see who it was i mean i saw there was a name but i didn't I couldn't remember if it was any of the characters. I think I think we might just not realize, but I think it's probably a famous book because the way the way the way it's all shot. It, it's I mean I don't I don't know a whole lot about you know the history of athletes and the pay structure or like how any of that goes down. Um, so you know it's not a field I understand really, but it seems to me that that book probably had some sort of significant influence in the past over something as far as you know. Oh, the owners make all this money off of the players, and it's the players who are really doing the thing. Kind of related to you know, like like they go like college sports, where the college players you know do all this all all the work, and they can't get paid. All they can get is you know, uh, they can get a free ride, and they can get like certain incentives, but not really because it's all restricted by like the NCAA. I think it's kind of similar to that on like the pro level where. The pros, yeah. Like, the big names, they were saying, um, make all the money, but the other players, you know, they, they kind of get screwed. Yeah, it probably has something to do with that. Um, but, yeah, I, I feel like if we Googled what the book actually was, it would make more sense of what the ending portrayed. Probably. And um, I guess even if even if that's the case, even if that, if that book is, like, a famous book and this was, like, some giant revelation... Not a not a strong way to end for me. Um, I think the ending probably should have just been when Andre Holland's character told off his boss and got basically got his job. I think it could have ended right there and had a pretty satisfactory ending. I, I think this 
last 45 second little thing in the apartment i don't know does it feel, what do you think about it does it feel tacked on or do you think it has you know it adds yeah to i the think movie? if maybe they mentioned the book earlier in the movie and they kind of brought it back together that would make something but yeah i feel like it was this realization that came together but it's nothing that the audience would know if without prior knowledge of what the book actually was so if you knew what it was, maybe it meant a lot to you. But if you're like us and you don't know what the significance of that book is, it really was unnecessary. Is it the 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 Bible they were talking about early in the film? Remember the very beginning, he handed them a packet or something that said like, "This is the Bible. Don't open it here." Was it that book? Is that what it was? Um, I don't remember. At it the very first meeting they had, uh, Ray hands Eric a packet. I think it's a package or like an envelope or something. And he's like, this is the Bible. And he's like, I read the Bible. And like, not that Bible, the Bible. Like, not, <laughs> like, not, not the Bible, like the the Bible. Like, it's a metaphor. Like, it's not really the Bible. Uh, <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't think about that. Maybe it is. I think it probably... I think it probably is. That makes sense story-wise. We might sound kind of dumb right now, but I think that's probably what the, the choice was there. But even even knowing that, I feel like, I don't know. I don't know if that's... Yeah, um, it still didn't do too much for me. Yeah, it didn't... I, I don't know if it stuck the landing. So we've reached the end. What uh, what do you think of the overall resonance and feel of this movie? Um, Again, I, I would say 2-5. It really didn't leave anything home for me at all. One thing I do remember um, is when... Um, Andre was giving a kind of a speech in front of the high schoolers and he was talking about um, the journey of him and his cousin where they both loved playing basketball and then one summer later his cousin got this huge growth spurt and actually turned into a basketball star and Andre was his manager. Then Andre is talking to Sam later and um, Sam said something about his cousin being gay and asked him, um, do you regret having to told your cousin to keep his secret? And then Andre said, no, I don't regret it because I protected him. But you also learn that his cousin died. So you kind of figure it's because he was repressed with being gay and all that stuff. So that's kind of one thing that went home. Um, I know a lot of that stuff is really public now, but about, you know, being a basketball star or just anything famous and being gay and being in the public eye, that's always something that... Is, I'm sure a struggle. So that part was a little conflicting and had some resonance. But other than that, nothing too much had a really big impact. Yeah, I would agree. I think of that for that scene is probably the most. That's where you feel the most is when he gives that little speech to the to the um, the Pee Wee basketball kids. Um, and yeah, his. I th- I think it's probably implied that his brother might have killed himself, maybe. Or yeah, I figured it was drug use or suicide or something like that. Yeah, something that somewhat self-inflicted in some way, um, probably having to do with having to cover up that he was gay. And I, you know, he's an older, not an old guy, but an older guy, so we can assume this was at least fifteen, twenty years ago. I mean, even then, being gay publicly was different than it is now. You know, now I think it's probably easier than ever, still with challenges, of course. But, you know, compared to 15, 20 years ago, it's, you know, it's different. Um, so I think that, yeah, I think that scene uh, that scene works the best. But I'm going to agree. I mean, I give it a three just because I really, I really like Andre's character um, across the board. I root for him, which is something that I definitely look for with Feel and Resonance. Um, <laughs> But nothing else, yeah, you're right. Like everything else is a little flat. Um, even Sam, who I like as a character, I don't I don't get emotional about her. I kind of feel like she's fine and the events don't affect her in the same way as everything else. Like I feel like she's gonna be okay no matter what happens. 
like she's always going to land on her feet. So that kind of takes like some of the, um, some of the feel out of it just because I know she's fine. And, uh, yeah, no one else do I have such a close connection with, but, um, but Ray, I definitely have a connection with. So a three there. I do like how the um, actual basketball stars, how they have a little excerpt. They do give their insight on um, what they think of what happened and just kind of give some overall moral values to the audience. So I did like that part, too. Yeah, I think that was one thing uh, we we didn't mention in visual or sound, um, which kind of helps me a little bit with the 2-5 rating on that. But uh, we get three basketball players who are real-life basketball players, Reggie Jackson, Carl Anthony Towns and Donovan Mitchell. Um, I own, I'm not a huge basketball fan, but I follow it a little bit. I knew Carl Anthony Towns, who plays for the Minnesota Timberwolves. Um, I didn't know the other two. I think uh, Reggie Jackson, he was drafted by the Thunder. He plays for the Detroit Pistons now. And uh, Donovan Mitchell is the youngest. He was just a rookie a couple years ago. He plays for the Utah Jazz. So those three guys, they give like um, little uh, little interviews with them. Uh, and they kind of describe, you know, some of the business of being drafted and working on a team and how, you know, all, how all the backroom kind of stuff works, which is, you know, that's what this movie's about. Um, on those interviews, did you notice that they were all looking up? Do you know what that was about? No, I guess, well, I figured the camera was just odd, so I don't think I really picked up like, on that. Because the camera was on them, but they were all looking up, and I was trying to look at their eyes and see if it looked like they were reading something, like a prepared statement, and they might have been, but it didn't even look like they were reading. It just looked like they were all looking up. I didn't know if that was supposed to mean something. I was kind of confused by that choice. Yeah, I just didn't really notice that, but it didn't even sound like they were reading anything. It didn't seem scripted at all. No, it seemed pretty from the heart, like pretty just, you know, this is how it is kind of thing. Yeah. Um... But yeah, so overall, Jess, uh, we've talked about pretty much the whole thing now, and it sounds like you're a little on the fence. Do you recommend? Um, I think I would recommend to a specific audience. Like, I know you would appreciate a movie like this. Um, People with more of an artistic feel to movies, I would, but I mean, this isn't something I would watch again or watch anything similar to, (laughs) but I can definitely see how some people can't appreciate it. Yeah, uh, I think um, I think that's pretty good. I think yeah, this isn't quite for everyone. I think if we look at the critical scores, like in the high or mid mid nineties, uh, but the user scores in the fifties or sixties, which I think is probably pretty accurate. This is good if you're a big film fan. I think this has enough there to be interesting. And you know, Soderbergh's a big director, um, so if you follow any of his work, you you kind of know you're going to be in for you know at least something of decent quality. Um, I give it a recommend, uh, you know, not a strong recommend. It's like a mild recommend. Um, if nothing for the really, really strong writing and, um, and our main character, Ray, uh, the, the, those are the easy strong points of the movie. Like I said, the visual and sound is kind of uninspired and, you know, there's just some problems with overall, like the feel of the movie. Um, but our main character is really strong and, uh, the writing is, razor sharp it's really really good i love the writing of this movie um so you know if you're a uh, a diehard uh, film fan then it's probably something you want to check out uh if you're interested in the background of basketball behind the playing if you're interested in the playing of basketball no this is not the movie for you um <laughs> but if you're interested in the business of basketball or some of the behind the scenes i think this is a pretty good uh Uh, indicator for that so um yeah i recommend with some caveats it sounds like from us whether you know whether or not you would like this 
Um, yeah, and despite it being a slow-moving movie, it is. It's pretty short. It's only ninety minutes, so it it doesn't go by forever. But it is slow moving. Yeah, ninety minutes is the right choice for this. It, it, it's it's a long. Even for me, someone who probably enjoyed it more than the average person would, it's a long ninety minutes because it's pretty much talking and because the directing is kind of sterile and staunch. Uh, you know. Anything longer than ninety minutes would feel like a drag, but I think because of that, it's uh, it's tight enough. And another thing is the plot and the and the writing is very airtight, so there's not a lot of loose ends hanging there. It's kind of heady in its concepts, but um, overall, I think it works in on that level. Um, so yeah, that's uh, that's what we thought of High Flying Bird. Um, coming up in the uh, month of April, we have, I think next week, we're going to review Pet Cemetery. Jess, I know you'll be on for that one. Yes, I've been waiting for this to come out for some time. Jess is real hype for Pet Cemetery. I'm I'm somewhat lukewarm. Have you seen the original Pet Cemetery, Jess? I didn't even know there was an original. (laughs) Was it spelled with a C or was it spelled with an... Well, no, this is Stephen King, right? It's based off a Stephen King uh, novel, and uh, yeah, it's the I original. I didn't know there was a... Oh, so there was a movie first? There was a movie. I have not seen it. I've seen clips. It does not look like my taste. Um, I, I mean, I guess of all of our hosts, you're probably the horror movie aficionado. You're the one who likes horror movies. Um, I do. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I guess, you know, not... Hey, uh, you haven't seen the the prior one, neither have I, but um, we'll both be on for that one, and uh, we'll also have a special guest who we have not had on yet. Uh, excited for that. Um, but yeah, more streaming reviews to come definitely in the month of April as we work our way to the giant block of blockbuster releases that is May. May is going to be loaded with films uh, yeah, that are in theaters. Yeah, and feel free to give us any recommendations, too, of what you like on Netflix, Hulu, Amazon, or whatever, because we got it all. Yeah, if you uh, want to reach out to us, uh, we have our Facebook page, uh, Films with a Woman in My Life. Uh, our Twitter is at FilmsWomenPod. Uh, and then we, you can reach out to Jess or I, or probably the most active on Instagram. Um, and uh, our website, uh, FilmsWithTheWomen.Libson.com. You can get all of uh, the episodes there. Um, and yeah, that's, uh, that's what we got coming down the pike. Uh, real excited to do it. So uh, Jess, thank you for being on. Thanks for having me. And until next time, this is Bren signing off saying, enjoy your movies. Thanks for listening to Films with the Women in My Life. If you enjoyed being a listener in our life, subscribe to us on iTunes. Please leave a review as it helps more people find the show. Like us on Facebook at Films with the Women in My Life. Follow us on Twitter at Films Women Pod. And check out our website, filmswiththewomen.libsyn.com. That's filmswiththewomen.libsyn.com. Original music for the show was created by Ian Burke. Original artwork created by Nicole D'Alessio. This show is produced by Brennan Snyder. Thank you again for listening and enjoy your movies.